gather around Freenode in the Dev Hell channel, fire up your speakers or put headphones on so nobody else can hear us swear and cuss our way through this episode. Welcome to episode number 45 of the Development Hell podcast. Uh, I'm your one of your hosts, uh, Chris Hartis, grumpy programmer on Twitter without the U. At the other end, maybe even in the other ear, because I don't know how Ed always mixes it, is Ed Finkler, Funkatron with a U. Ed, how's it going today? Uh, going pretty good, actually. I had a pretty good day. We're uh, here. Yeah, okay, well, it is rainy and stormy here in um, in Kanukistan. And uh, we're just a week out from PHP Tech uh, 2014. Um, both Ed and I will be there. I'm doing a um, three-hour um, unit testing boot camp uh, tutorial session. I'm going to be talking about why you, not Ed specifically, but why you, as in the royal you, cannot test. And I know that, Ed, um, you're doing a couple of talks. You're doing a brand new talk. Um, mm-hmm. about how to be a better developer and also there's that no, mental no, no. health how to be a great, a oh, how great to be a, developer how to be a great developer sorry Come excuse on. me oh my god and um, and also you're doing uh, there's a mental health panel I think happening as well it's a mental health summit and That's we're going to have uh, Greg Bogus and uh, Patty Fran and Ben Marks or is it Mark Benz I guess no it's Ben Marks Ben Marks that's right Marks. And uh, remember who? Remember we had the guy on who I kept mixing up his name. What was his name Steve David or something? <laughs> no, it was, it was David Rogers. Yeah. David Rogers. It's another one of him, I kept calling so him you, Roger. So you have a so you have a problem with people who, um, who have two first names. I, I, yeah, I yeah. Basically, it. I don't trust people with two first names. All right. So before we get any further, let's thank our awesome sponsors. First, let's thank our super long running sponsor, Engine Yard. Um, trailblazers and purveyors of a platform as a service. If you want to uh, run your code in a nice, stable, scalable sandbox, if you do JavaScript stuff, if you do Ruby, if you do PHP, I highly recommend checking out Engine Yard. And also, I'd like to thank our other sponsor, uh, New Relic, um, who's a recent uh, addition. Hi, Noel, if you're listening, we'll see you at tech as well. Uh, New Relic is a software analytics company that makes sense of billions of metrics across millions of web and mobile apps. We help the people who build modern software understand the stories their data is trying to tell them. New Relic supports PHP, Python, Ruby, Java, .NET, Node, iOS, and Android apps. Um, good people. Uh, tons and tons of people use them for all sorts of different monitoring stuff. And we cannot forget um, Mr. Reinheimer and his partner, Will, from the Wonder Networks, who always very graciously donate the bandwidth so we can um, stream the show live if you come and hang out in... Um, on Freenode, and you can uh, the little link. If you look in the topic, there's a link to it, and you can hear us as uh, as we natter away. So uh, this week, our our guest is someone that we tried to hook up with uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then he betrayed us and went on PHP Town Hall um, with, that mouth, with that foul mouth with that foul mouthed British guy, Phil Sturgeon, uh, drunkard, Bennett, ben, drunkard, yes, cider addict, and. Um, uh, and Ben Edmonds was on there, and I think they always have a third guy. But anyway, now we have Steve here, so we can actually get serious and talk about real things instead of just um, Phil swearing every other word. Um, so everybody say hi to Steve Corona. Hello, Steve. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> actually, uh, Phil, Phil just sent me a tweet today. Uh, funny that you mentioned him, but he sent me a tweet that he was – listening to the podcast today with them and he said when you're telling this story about cocaine in the background you could see me i started to fall asleep 
because I was so drunk and he apologized for it. So I think your description of Phil is quite accurate. I, I love Phil, um, but uh, he's British, and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so, uh, no, I really like Phil. I'm, I had a fun time with Phil when I saw him at Dumb Sunshine PHP. I hadn't seen him for a while. So before we get into anything, I actually wanted to share a little story with everybody about um, the first time first time that ed and i met like actually met and actually like talked to each other rather than just like a head nod and how's it going type thing this was i don't know if ed remembers this um but i do um because it's uh because every day i when i get into my car i see a reminder of that incident so um uh, maybe ed does remember so i was at php tech and this is i don't know what year this is at 2009 2008 Something like that. Um, I went as uh, an attendee. I did not speak. I had had a very long run of, of, I, of... I had spoken at PHP Tech years and years ago and then had a huge long run of never having a talk accepted. So mm-hmm. I had driven from driven in the same car that I have now. So I've had this car... Uh, this is coming on eight years. So it's no... 2006 is the earliest it could be. It's probably more like 2000 and... I would think it's 2008. Yeah. So I went out to my car... And I'd left my lights on. So my car was completely dead. And so uh, as a good prepared person, I had booster cables, but they were in the trunk. And my piece of shit car, its, it's trunk won't open if the battery is dead because it's a, a electronic lock. So I couldn't open the trunk up because the car was completely dead. So Ed happened to come out to the parking lot when I was out there in my car. And um, he was parked right next to me. And I asked him if he had, hey, how's it going? Talking to him, I said, uh, asked him if he had booster cables. Unfortunately, Ed did not. Um, but but Jason Sweat, uh, actually, um, he he came out, or I came in and was asking some people if they had cables. So Jason um, uh, took me over to Target. I bought a roadside, uh, like, emergency kit that had booster cables and flares and all this cool shit in it. And then we used those cables to boost my car. So that kit always sits because I so rarely have passengers in the front seat of my car that sits on the floor on the passenger side and in case this sort of thing ever happens again because it did happen a couple weeks ago when I was in Buffalo I'd left my lights on and the battery was dead but luckily I was able to open the car and my booster cables were right on the front seat so so a little little bit of serendipity that was kind of the first time that Ed and I actually really met just beyond like at a conference just like looking at each other and nodding and some vague recognition of who the other person might be uh, here's a some you may not have known. I, I actually did have booster cables. Oh, <laughs> dagger. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so Jason Sweat always uh, asks me about that every time a tech rolls around. Like, yes, I still have the same piece of shit car. So, I'm hoping to re- I'm hoping to replace that soon. But uh, my wife keeps uh, finding home projects that need the money instead of me buying buying another car. I'll, I'll get my car that I want eventually. So. I will be getting something, uh, something Bavarian and something um, previously enjoyed. Because goddamn it, I've had a piece of shit car for eight years. It's time for something nicer for me to drive around in instead of my wife getting the nice car all the time. Word up, word up. <laughs> all right. So, main reason we had Steve on is that Steve is like me, a published book author and a self-published book author. Although, Steve, am I correct in that you did not use LeanPub, or did you use LeanPub? Yes, so I did use LeanPub um, mainly to format and create the book. However, um, I generally sell it through my own sales channels. I really like LeanPub, but I really enjoy having the control of selling it myself. So you can buy the book on LeanPub, but most people buy it directly from me through Gumroad. 
Cool, cool. Uh, and you wrote a book about um, about scaling PHP, and uh, I do. Uh, you know, um, full disclosure, I I harassed Steve to give me a copy for free a while back, so I have actually looked at it. My job, uh, unfortunately, is not to deal with scaling PHP. It's to yell about fragile, broken uh, components and then write tests for them. <laughs> so uh, so I don't so I don't get the opportunity to to worry too much about scaling. Although I have. I have had to do things like slap uh, XHProf on some code to make sure that some change that I introduced didn't increase um, didn't increase uh, response time and all these other wonderful things that we have to worry about at work because at Cinecore we actually do deal with some really high traffic sites. But Steve is, I would say it's fair to say, is a subject matter expert when it comes to scaling PHP, having built, and Steve will correct me because of course I have no notes in front of me, uh, <laughs> that he uh, built up uh, TwitPick, which uh, was, you know, as the name might provide a little hint, it was for sharing pictures and giving you little tiny URLs with nice integration with various um, Twitter clients. Until Twitter came along and said, "We want to, uh, I'm going to wet my beak and own all this and basically crush the rest of you um, out of the way." So, um, so eloquently put, very. I would have used more swear words. Uh, <laughs> well, <in> there, but. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it wasn't my dream that was crushed, so I can be very glib about it. So, uh, so yeah. So tell us a bit about um, your experiences with um, TwitPick and and how that morphed into the book and just other stuff that you know that that you find interesting and that will hopefully spark a good conversation. Sure. Yeah. So I guess the easiest place to start is just giving you a little bit of my background and how it all came to be and how. Um, how I learned even what scaling PHP was, right? So uh, scroll back five years and uh, maybe even, geez, like six, seven years now, actually. Uh, I'm a college dropout, failed out of college. I'm sleeping on the floor of my apartment. Shitty apartment is like 400 bucks a month. So you know it's not nice no matter what part of the country you live in and how expensive rent is. It was a cheap-ass shitty apartment. And uh, really was like, wow, my life is so fucked. Uh, it was a not a good decision to, you know, fail out of college. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, stumbled upon uh, TwitPick, had a friend who who started this thing. And I'm like, you know, Twitter is so dumb. Who uses Twitter? Come on. No one's going to use that. And uh, people started to use it. So I, I joined on to help him, joined on as CTO. And, you know, had done some programming uh, in the past, mainly PHP, but really uh, had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was kind of just like winging it and Playing it by air and see what happens. So, you know, we grew. We had uh, uh, quite a bit of traffic early on just because, you know, the Mashables and the tech crunches of the world had written written up about us. Um, there is that famous Miracle on the Hudson uh, plane crash. Um, that was sort of our pivotal moment uh, in the sense that the first ever picture of that uh, that plane landing on the Hudson was a TwitPick user who took it and uh, posted on TwitPick before any news media outlets um, and we immediately crashed for 48 hours or something like that. We just couldn't handle the load. Um, and so that was a pivotal moment it was like, wow, I really need to like take this seriously and figure out how to make our code not suck. How do we make it so like when we get a lot of traffic, we don't go down or how do we make it so when Twitter goes down, we don't also go down because we're so dependent on, you know, doing synchronous, uh, Twitter API calls and things like that. So over four years, uh, I just kind of, learned it by doing. And, you know, uh, the, the way that I describe that to a lot of people, the easiest way is that, you know, for almost a year, I basically slept with my laptop in my bed. And, and every time, you know, the site would go down or crash, I would 
get an alert on my phone. It'd wake me up. I'd you know roll over, half asleep, groggy, open up terminal, restart Apache, and uh, and go back to sleep. And I did that for quite a while. Even like bringing lap- my laptop with me pretty much ever I went on dates. Like you're on a, a date at Starbucks and you get the little pingdom notification. You're like, fuck, hold on. You know, I know this date's like going great, but I wonder if they have free Wi-Fi here because they got to jump on and restart Apache. Um, and so that's really how I learned how to scale. And, and the reason why I ended up writing a book was because a lot of the shit I learned, you just can't find on the internet. And if you can find advice on scaling, it's usually bad advice that's wrong and incorrect. So I was like, someone needs to fix this. Uh, let, let it be me. And I, I wrote a book on uh, scaling because of that. So, uh, Steve, I think you and I might have pounded a little of the same ground because uh, yeah, I don't know if you if you remember, there's a tiny, crappy open source client called Spaz for Twitter. I don't know if you ever came across it, but um, that I did that. Oh, interesting. Cool. I don't remember what Twitter uh, client we used. I think it was just the one that was built into uh, Pair, uh, like in the PHP repository. Obviously, now oh, it's yeah. it's it's uh that's kind of a Anti-pattern should have used composer, but you know, when we were doing this composer, wasn't like the, the hot shit on the street. So, uh, yeah. So oh, yeah. We- see, I actually wrote it at like a, like an end user application called uh spaz. Oh, I uh, see. So yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a library. It was a, actually a, a thing. Awkward. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Now it sounded like I was trying to show off, which really wasn't the intent, but, uh, you always knew you're a spaz. Uh, God, you show off. Uh, oh man. Uh, <laughs> but there was TwitPic support in it. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yes. Uh, so uh, while we could fill hours uh, complaining about uh, what it was like to be a uh, developer that used the, the Twitter API, uh, I think I'd rather not revisit that too much. But uh, Sure. Because <laughs> it brings up a lot of bad memories. Yeah. Yes, lots and lots of bad memories. Uh yeah, but but yeah, yeah. So I yeah, I, I you got a lot of got a lot of empathy from me on that one. Uh on what it's like. Uh but uh but yeah, I mean Twitpick really uh broke a lot of new ground. Um and um I think that's interesting. it's been my experience too that there's a lot of so it's interesting because I think the expectation is particularly in within the open source community as a whole is that anything that you want to learn about is going to be relatively easy to find information about. And I think that goes up to a certain level, but I think it's very much the case that real knowledge about like high level scaling and availability, that stuff I think you only sort of seem to know it if you've actually really had to deal with it. Uh, and it's not, it is not nearly as, it isn't nearly as common, uh, to hear people, you know, there aren't just like tons and tons of best practices out there for that kind of stuff. There aren't tons sure. of resources available for that kind of a thing. Um, and I would guess it's because just realistically, most people don't deal with it very much. So they don't really have a very good understanding of what it's actually like to operate, you know, uh, to, 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 to try to deal with, 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 uh, with, uh, traffic at that kind of a scale. So I think that's interesting. So it sounds like that's what you're trying to kind of fill that, uh, that void a little bit with the book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that you make a good point in that the, the information, you know, the expectation is that you can just Google something and find it. That's like 
the generalism with, with programming, right? All the information you want is just there. Um, I, I do a talk actually that I just did last night at a local PHP group and sort of, uh, goes over like a lot of the misconceptions of scaling PHP because there's so many. And inevitably, like if you Google scaling PHP on Stack Overflow, the advice you'll get is like, Hey, you have to go through all your code and change double quotes to single quotes because they're faster, or like some bullshit like that. And all other like misconceptions like, oh, use arrays for everything because objects are so like things that don't actually matter. But that's like the quality of information you get if you try to um, research it on your own without like doing it in practice. And so another really good example that I, I talk about in my talk because I think it's so interesting is like, um, persistent connections, right? To like, if you're doing PHP and you're uh, connecting to MySQL, um, the internet basically says like MySQL persistent connections with PHP are bad. Like you Google MySQL connect or whatever, and you go to the documentation and you're like, whoa, it's this persistent flag. You pop it in persistent flag to Google and everyone says, no, don't do that. It's terrible. It's bad, but doesn't really give you a reason like why. Like, why is that bad? Why shouldn't you do it? And I did a lot of benchmarking on that because I always found it interesting and like wanted to know exactly what it did. And it turns out like it's actually persistent connections with PHP and MySQL is a good thing. They're faster. It's like 20% faster on the first query that you make. And like, that's not a huge amount of performance increase, but wow, like these are things that if you just go by the generalisms, if you just go by what's on Stack Overflow, like it's just bad advice. It's just wrong advice. And I, I wrote the book, um, and I do the talks and I write newsletters and blog posts on all this sort of thing because I know that when I was going through and doing all this shit, it really sucked. It was like really hard and painful and I ripped out a lot of hair because of it. And I'm trying to like solve problems for that, you know, uh, seven year old version of me that, that needed this information, good information at the time and just didn't have any resources that actually provided that. Yeah, exactly. Chris, I wonder, I mean, well, I think too, I mean, what you're talking about earlier too is that, is that the level of scaling that you had to deal with. Again, it's just, it's just something that most people, um, never really have to deal with. And this is not just within PHP, but this is just across all sorts of, um, w um, web applications. Uh, human, it's having your site crushed because you got too much traffic is actually a nice problem to have because it means for maybe for one fleeting <laughs> moment, you've done something right. And attracted attention, and getting that thing to stay up the next time it happens is really the challenge. And it seems to me that uh, that you're absolutely right. You try to search for, <clears throat> excuse me, solutions to problems, and there are, you get the ridiculous ones that you talked about: double single quotes and persistent connections, and and objects, and and array filter is bad, and all these other things that are just. Uh, that sound like neat little. It appeals to people's desire to to have binary solutions to things. Yes, it works. No, it doesn't work. Um, but also, it's, it seems to me part of the challenge of of scaling any kind of web application is that the scenarios are always different. There's always different set of challenges. Uh, I mean, I I've always maintained telling most people when it comes to writing their PHP code that. Um, your code doesn't need to be quick and clever um, because unless you're trying to do like heavy uh, like math crunching or doing graphics in PHP, your bottleneck's going to be something else. It's, probably it's going to be I/O related. It's probably going to be a bottleneck in talking to your uh, database or accessing um, some sort of resource across a network somewhere. So I, I, I as I go. Longer and longer into my career as a programmer, I find myself more focusing on the languages mattering less and less. I, I care more about 
clear code and clear concepts that I can figure out and focus more on like what's the actual problem that we're trying to solve. And these code level optimizations, they only go so far. And, and again, I said most people's problem will be that they're that no, their database is all choked up. I mean, that's basically that's the number one problem. How many times have you seen a site that's broken? You go to it gets on Twitter or it gets on some other site, Hacker News or some other stupid bullshit site where a lot of people go because they want to argue bitterly about little minute things. And um, and you go to the site and it's spitting out some error that it can't access the database. That is like the low hanging fruit of scaling. Getting a good solid um, database, uh, you know, I'm not sure what to call the whole thing. Where uh, database tuning, I guess, where you have, you know, you have your good, you have a good connection pool. You're using indexes. You're only doing the queries that you need to do. Like um, that's like if, if people did that, like 99% of scaling problems would probably go away, and that leaves you with trying to solve the really tough one um, percent of, yeah. of scaling problems. Exactly that. Exactly that. So much. What I say, the way that I kind of word that is you don't scale PHP. Your code doesn't matter. Your code, that's the easy part. What you really scale is you scale the LAMP stack. You scale infrastructure. You scale your database and your caching layer. Like that's, that's like you, what you said is all the low hanging fruit that your code ultimately doesn't really matter as long as you don't do anything that's like so ridiculous, you know, 10 nested for loops or something like that. Like, for the most part, you're not going to be able to squeeze too much more performance uh, out of your code. And if you can, it's not even worth it because that's the easy part to scale. You add some more app servers, but scaling all of the other layers that are in your LAMP stack and tuning them and, and tuning your database and, and doing asynchronous work, like that's where all the real value is. And, and so that's what I try to kind of uh, promote is that you don't actually scale PHP, you scale LAMP. So actually, I had a question for you, like from your experiences, when you're trying to scale uh, an architecture out, did you find it more difficult to do um, horizontal scaling or vertical scaling? And the reason I ask is that PHP has a reputation as because of its tendency towards um, shared the shared nothing architecture, the idea that everything's not centralized and it's not stateful out of the box, that um, PHP lends itself very easy to horizontal scaling because uh, PHP itself is not expecting to always have to talk to um, centralized resources. Yeah, so PHP definitely makes it really easy to scale horizontally. I think that if you uh, if you take sort of the first scaling steps, right, and you you ditch Apache, you ditch mod PHP, you use something like Nginx with PHP FPM, which is a modern deployment practice for PHP, you're already halfway there. Um, P- the only area where PHP gets hairy with horizontal scaling, which is an easy one to solve, is sessions, right? Like by default, sessions in PHP, they store a cookie in the browser, and then they write a little blob of data to the file system. That doesn't necessarily scale out horizontally. And blogs and stuff may tell you, like, use MySQL or use NFS, like a network file system, and that's a terrible idea. But there's memcache hooks for sessions, and there's Redis hooks for sessions, and that's an easy problem to solve. You, you plug in, you know, a different session storage facility, now, bam, PHP pretty much can scale horizontally without too much trouble. And that's also why it's the easiest part of your stack to scale. You just, you know, you pay Amazon if you're on AWS, you pay them another 100 bucks and spin up another instance. And, you know, you're scaling horizontally without too much trouble. The other parts, though, when you talk about like, hey, scaling your database horizontally, that's actually a huge pain in the ass. It's it's different for every piece of the stack, but... 
PHP definitely lends itself to horizontal scaling, uh, you know, quite easily. Sorry, I was muted. <clears throat> I'm, I'm doing what Ed does all the time where he mutes himself. Um, <laughs> so um, how much experience do you have with like scaling out non-PHP applications? And have you noticed, have you noticed, the, um, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, not that PHP is better or anything. Have you noticed that, di- have you found that different languages have different uh, difficulties when you're trying to scale something out? Mm, good question. Yeah, so I think in some ways, so uh, where I work now, you know, I left Twipig a couple of years ago. Uh, actually, you know, when I say a couple, I mean a year and a half ago. Um, but I'm at a, a company now called Life360, and it's a mobile app, but it's quite large. We do like a billion API calls per day. Um, and so we've taken on like this idea of doing uh, a service-oriented architecture. So our main app is PHP, but within the PHP app, we call out to a lot of, uh, you know, internal backend services, some written in, in Rails, some written in Python, some written in Golang. Um, I think that's it as far as language use. But yeah, so each language like has its own nuances as far as like how do you scale it out? You know, you you might scale your Python app out a little differently than you scale your Golang app, app out. Generally, I think it comes down to less about the language and more about the way you deploy it, right? So like I'm thinking our Python backend services like have this whole uh, U, Uwasigi, uh layer that it has to go through to talk to where the Golang app just runs as a daemon and you talk to it, you know, no, using normal HTTP. So like the way you deploy your different languages, I think that adds a lot to exactly how you scale them. But in general, when you're hopefully if you're writing an app, right, have you guys heard of like uh, 12factor.net doing the 12factor app? Yep, I've heard of it. That sounds so, like too many factors for me. I don't, I'd, I'd like to cut that down to like two or three factors. Less factors is better. Yep. So if you're building an app in any language and you sort of follow, uh, some pattern of like good design for building out an isolated, uh, well behaved service, whether it's in PHP or whether it's in Golang or Ruby or whatever the hell you use, uh, it, it shouldn't matter. Like at, at the highest level of like in the, you know, in a, in a, probably non-realistic world that shouldn't matter what language you use. Generally that isn't always true, but um, if you, if you build your app in a sane way, that's hopefully the direction you head towards is it doesn't matter. You just plug in a different language and it all talks over a, a generic, you know, HTTP or, or some, some way, but it, it shouldn't matter the language that you use. So now we know languages just, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Doesn't fuck them. Fuck them all. Right. Let's write them in English. Yep. I just gotta write everything in Apple Script, which is uh, just English. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. that would be awesome—a web app in Apple Script. It would not be awesome. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> been done, and it is not awesome. Really? Wow, that's. We should try to find one and put one in the show notes. I uh, yeah okay. Well, don't ask me any questions for a minute, and I'm sure I'll find one. Hang on. <laughs> so, let me think now. So let's talk a bit about more of your experience with writing the book, because I mean. Uh, I'm sure our experiences are similar up to a certain point. Um, sure. Uh, but uh, I'm kind of curious because I, because for me, a lot of the book stuff was like um, two prong thing, right? Where I was trying to get awareness uh, for people on testing uh, PHP code and getting into good habits about it, but also was acting as a way to promote myself and promote my career. And it's, uh, I'm wondering, 
for your own book, was this kind of a thing that you were thinking about as well? That I mean, I, I totally get that you have all this experience, that you went through all this stuff of, uh, of, of teaching yourself how to wade through and sift through all the various advice on how to scale things and finding a set of things that actually work, that worked for you. And I'm wondering, did, did you envision the book as being something to like build up the Steve Corona brand to a certain extent as well? No, I don't think so. I think that the way that I kind of uh, go about anything when I'm when I'm creating anything, whether it's a book or a blog post or a talk or whatever the hell it is, um, I, ch- I try to make it something that at some point in my life I would have gotten a lot of value out of. So the book is actually in some ways like it's a poor resource if you are like a total newbie because I wrote the book for, you know, at that point in my life, what would I have gotten the most value out of? What I would not have gotten value out of is like regurgitated documentation or like a lot of hand holding and like, well, let me explain to you like how you go about installing a, a Nginx and like how you configure the most basic situation and whatever. Like, uh, my book is, is skips a lot of that, right? It assumes a lot of knowledge and it assumes that if I talk about something that you don't know or you're not familiar with yet, you're going to go and research, research it yourself. So. In that respect, like I wrote the book as something that I would have personally gotten a lot of value out of at that time in my life. So the book isn't for everyone, right? If you have never done any uh, Linuxy stuff before and you've only sat there programming PHP, like it is not going to be a good resource for you because there's going to be uh, so much of a, of a steep learning curve. Um, I didn't really have an agenda. Like I've, I've read your book and I quite enjoyed it, especially just because it pushes that testing culture. And, and so I didn't have agenda in that respect. Like, um, I guess I don't really give a fuck if people scale or not, right? Like it's a very personal problem in all respects. Like you maybe don't have an app that you need to scale, or maybe, uh, you don't, you don't want to learn how to scaling. So I don't have like a certain like mantra. I want to push that people should build their app in a certain architecture. I just kind of want to take all that knowledge that I had and make it, make it some, something that, someone out there that was having similar problems that was getting like very little sleep because they had to wake up every couple hours to restart Apache and and give it a kick. Like for them, like I wanted this to be the perfect resource for that point in their life. And a lot of people have told me, you know, they've gotten a lot of value out of it because of that, because there's not a lot of handholding because it doesn't like take you through the most basic scenarios. Um, That being said, and I I would love to actually kind of hear your experiences too, because I found that writing a book was like, very challenging. Like it was, uh, it was very much a, a personal challenge and a personal like battle or conquest to actually like finish the book. And it, and it like took a lot of, um, a lot of willpower and motivation, like to actually get all that stuff on paper. And I ended up with 218 pages, which is like longest thing I've ever written in my life. But it was like a personal struggle to actually, uh, commit to writing that much, you know? Absolutely. Well, in my case, it's a little bit different. I had no interest in writing like a huge, um, authoritative book of that size. My, um, my whole thought was I could produce a series of small focused books, like 60 to between like 60 and 100 pages on very niche, um, topics because, um, I know I've, uh, I know I've talked about on numerous other, uh, editions of this podcast about info products and marketing and all the stuff that I learned through, um, Amy Hoy's awesome 30 by 500 program. And, um, so for me, it was a little bit different. Um, 
I had I had also been writing and blogging for a super long time, even though I almost I I haven't blogged I haven't blogged anything since like December of 2013. Um, I have shifted to instead trying to provide value to people through a newsletter that I do now. Every two weeks, I send out a newsletter now, um, and I'm making plans. I'll probably be writing another book in the fall. Uh, again, a small targeted one. Um, so because I was used to writing and having blogged for a long time. Um, I did not find the process of writing a book um, difficult or taxing just because, uh, I mean, because, I mean, I don't know any other way to explain that other. I had written lots of stuff before. So this was just a series. In my mind, it was just like a series of extended uh, extended blog posts with code, sam- with code samples in them. I mean, and that's kind of really what a lot of my books are like. And when I approached it that way, I found it very easy. I, I mean, uh, people have asked me roughly about how much time. I'm pretty sure like... Each book, I probably spent about a hundred hours in total, mm. um, and that's on the whole writing. That's that's basically all the writing and self editing, and then I handed that to other people, other people um, to, to do technical editing and feedback and all that stuff. But basically, about a hundred hours, and uh, then there was probably another twenty hours on top of that devoted to building the sites and marketing. Although the marketing thing continues onwards. I don't do as much as I used to in the marketing thing. Sales are kind of, it's kind of steady between a range of like $800 to $1,200 US a month. I'm get, being put into my pocket from my various books and I'm okay with that level because it's really is very much um, passive income. Although I'll probably start ramping things up again. I'm doing a sale during PHP Tech on um, a sliding scale where I'm starting off at a nice high discount and every passing day the discount goes down. Um, of all my stuff, of my of my two books and all the videos that I've done. So for me it was... The, the info product stuff is my escape route from working for people with the plan is to get enough of this stuff together over a multi-year period that all the money I make from that is enough that I, that I can work for the biggest asshole I know, which is me. So that's, that's <laughs> how I've been, that's how I've been approaching it. I know I tell my wife this thing all the time. She's like, yeah, you definitely are the biggest asshole. So, um, <laughs> So that's my goal. So, so my motivations, uh, of course, I want people to learn more about this stuff because the more people that write tests, generally speaking, the better code there is out there. And the better code that's out there, the easier job that um, developers have taking what somebody else has done and extended it, which is why things like Composer are good. And the and really, I have seen what I would say a very massive uptake in the number of people willing to commit uh, to writing tests to accompany their code. So I, 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 I mean, I know this sounds like very egotistical, but I really feel like I have had a direct impact in really increasing awareness of testing within the PHP community. And that's a good thing. Nothing bad comes from teaching people how to um, write tests for their code. Um, And so uh, when I do get, uh, I don't get too many emails anymore, but I, I used to get a lot of emails from people asking me questions about testing stuff. Um, I don't get too many anymore. Um, I do get a lot of questions on Twitter, and I'm always glad to answer those. I answer every testing question that people throw my way because I just think it's good community relations stuff. Um, but I'm happy to keep evangelizing testing stuff because there's no there's no end to it. There's no reason to ever stop writing tests for your stuff. And the tools that are available are kind of mature. I, I mean, PHP unit is the, I focus on unit testing and PHP unit is the gold standard when it comes to unit testing. There, there are, in my opinion, there are no other tools available in PHP <laughs> that let you do unit testing better. 
There aren't any. Now, there's other alternate, there's other alternative testing frameworks out there. A lot of them are kind of hybrids. They, a lot of the, I notice that there's a trend to kind of smash, um, integration testing together with unit testing. You get hybrid stuff. So you kind of get like PHP spec and you've got codeception and I'm sure I'm missing a few other ones that I don't really give a shit about. Um, what about, what about mine? Oh, FU unit. Yeah. Well, but that's just because you couldn't be bothered figuring out PHP unit. And we, we already hashed, we already hashed this over and I totally understood your motivation for doing it. It's okay. Um, at least you were testing something, which is probably the, the main goal. So to come back in a super roundabout way, um, my intention was not to write these books to document things that, um, I had done to go over my experiences. It's more like, Hey, I've learned all this stuff. I want you guys and, and girls and non-gendered people to like learn how to do these things too, because I saw a benefit in not only the code that I write, but in my career by learning mm-hmm. how to do these things. And now I'm at a point where I feel like my branding of myself has been a complete success. And when people think about testing in PHP, I'm one of those things that comes up and people associate that. And that's good because we need people like that. We need people to stick their necks out and, and be the people that are really advocating for, for things that can often be, um, a very uncomfortable position. Um, I used to engage with people that hated about testing, which is why this whole latest thing about why I had no interest in watching that little hangout between, um, David Heinemeiner Hansen and all the other people. It's like, I don't give a shit what they think because I know, <laughs> I know, I, I, a year ago, maybe I would have got like a lot more wound up over it, but now I've just come to the point where I've shifted my goal from just like yelling at everybody to test to where it's now like, I want to work with people. Instead, I want to work with people that want to do this, that my energies are better spent getting people better at testing rather than just yelling at everybody about why they're not writing tests (laughs) you know what i would you know what i would love to see you do i'll tell you what i'm going to give you this idea totally free and i think it will get you to work for the biggest asshole that you know way faster i would i would pay good money for this you know a lot of companies especially the one i'm at right now like 360 um they want to get into testing they really want to do testing it's like the thing that they know that they have to do, but they just can't motivate everyone there to do it. I would love to you provide a service, call it Grumpy Programmer as a Service, right? You, <laughs> they pay you like, I don't know, some absurd, it's 40K, you come in for a month, you sit down, and you go through all the code, and every time someone makes a commit without a test, you just slap them. You find out who it is, <laughs> and you slap them, and you say, no, you write a test, damn it. And you, you just bring that testing culture, uh, maybe a little bit of the grumpy culture into the environment. And bam, I know so many companies that, that need that, they need that push to get them to actually test. And you uh, can slap people as well. I mean, it's, it's a win-win really. I, I have tried setting, I, I just, I've had bad luck in trying to get people nailed down and committed. Um, cause I have been approached to do like consulting stuff and come in and do workshops with companies and stuff. And it's, it's, it's a fair amount of work. And, and, you know, my day job prevents me from just like dropping everything and going off and doing some of this. But that is definitely, that's kind of where I see myself doing. I got all the videos and, and the books and other stuff. And yeah, go in and show companies like, look, we can do this. Come in for an extended period and do all this work. Um, there's just, uh, 
one of the more interesting things I've discovered that there are some legitimate issues because I'm not American. I'm Canadian and, and the Canadian market for this stuff is quite small and, and the U.S. market is quite large and I would love to be able to get in there. But there are visa issues and other things to worry about. And if it looked like for sure I was going to get, uh, enough business lined up for an extended period of time that, yeah, I would probably go off and, and do the fun, uh, testing evangelism thing and, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, get some companies that really need some tough love, uh, to get these things going. I would be glad to take their money and, and help them do it. San Francisco um, I, has her name on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nah. I know. That would be a good place to start. Um, uh, so like I said, that's, um, your book was like you had done all the stuff you wanted to get it done as a as a, a dump, so other people who were at the same point you used to be um could get going. For me, it was more like, hey, look at these things I've learned. I want you to learn them too. And by buying my books and 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 uh, agreeing with me that I am an expert, um, you can help me to the next phase of my working career. So. Um, mm. All in all, I, I would think. I mean, I don't know. I'm very transparent about about the money I've brought in. Um, I don't know if you are willing to share, but um, do you feel the money you've brought in from the book um, has been worth it, worth the effort that you had to put into it? Yes, yeah, certainly. So money-wise, uh, it's about like 150K uh, so far. As, as Jesus Christ, that's like income. five times my book. That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Uh, early on sales were, were really awesome. Um, and now I find though, you know, as as the book uh, generates passive income. It's really dependent on how much I talk about it. And not only that, but how much value I provide to attract people to the book. So um, writing newsletters is, is a great example of that, right? You write a newsletter and you, you drum up interest about the book to people that maybe were on the fence or maybe were interested but forgot about it. Um, and you, you give them some, some good information and you drum up sales. And so... Passive income wise, I, I end up in about the same boat as you are right now. It varies like 800 to, to 1200. If I'm really active that month, maybe I'll see a two or three K month, but that's, you know, several newsletters and, um, and that sort of thing. But what I find, like what I find really interesting about, um, writing technical books and, and writing ebooks and, and doing that whole thing is that a lot of people are really afraid to, give like their best stuff away. Like their, their kind of mantra is like, Oh, I'm going to like write all my best stuff in the book. And then like everything else that I share is going to be really shitty because I don't actually want to give away like my secrets or like the reason you should buy the book. And I, I find that to be like very opposite of what you should do. And, and what I, what I tend to do and what I try to do is like give away all my best stuff for free um, in newsletters and blog posts and, and talks and talking and, and not like try to, like try to give you the hook and be like, Oh, well, if you like this thing I provided, you know, go buy the book. I try to give away like all the knowledge that I have. And if you like that, you'll gravitate towards the book. And if you don't like it, you won't. Um, but, but I, you know, I think that you're, you, you seem to have discovered maybe the same path since you said you're doing a lot of newsletters and now you're doing, um, blog posts and that sort of thing. So, so have you also found that to be true? Um, I, let me think. I mean, here, here's kind of the difference, right? My books are more about like showing you how to use a specific tool and some good coding practices that go with using that tool. So it, it's not, it's not like, um, there's a lot of hidden secrets and, and it's not like, um, 
there's, there's, it's not like there's lots of good stuff I can give away. You know what I mean? It, it's like, sure, they're, yeah. they're, I, I feel like with the books for the most part, I've kind of covered, um, covered all the basics. And then once you get past the basics, I mean, I, I do wonder about it like an advanced level testing book. But again, it's kind of like, well, what am I going to talk about that I haven't talked about already? I mean, the questions that most people seem to have are like just, Okay, so now that I'm actually writing tests, um, like what do I do now? Like how do I approach – like I have this code and what am I supposed to do? So I'm sure there's some value in there in some sort of like um, the grumpy programmer rips apart your code um, book. Um, <laughs> I mean just to kind of do a more – I like the idea of like um, – one of the things that Amy t- taught me through her courses is that one of the one of the best ways to draw people in is the is the is the tripod of um, pain, uh, dream, and solution. So some of the pain and uh, I could definitely do a, a book about the whole pain and solution thing. It's like so here's a scenario I need to write. I have this code that I need to test. How would I go about doing it? And I mean I could do that endlessly over and over again. Of okay, here's some code, and now we're going to refactor it and move shit around. And now you know now we can use some test doubles to fake out the third party API call and all these things. And I kind of covered some of that stuff in the PHP Unit Cookbook. So I, I mean I kind of look at it and say. Uh, I'm always happy to give advice and, and when people can provide me with code, I can show them tests that I would write. So it's more like what I wanted was kind of like to give people like a good toolkit and say, here, look, you can start off and here's all the stuff that you need to learn as the basics. And the rest is really up to you because you need to find kind of a testing technique that works for you. And, 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 and I could get like into like really high level testing stuff about how, how, um, TDD is really more of a design tool than a testing tool because it forces you into realizing uncomfortable truths about your code and stuff. And I like, I don't know if there's necessarily a book in that because I don't see the value of a bunch of really, um, repetitive code samples and refactors and stuff. So I don't kind of know. It's like, also there's other shit I want to write about too. That I have thoughts about doing stuff. I've thought about, I want to do, um, um, a, a BHAB book or maybe a PHP spec book or Ed and I have been talking about doing a hack and HHVM book together in the fall. So there's yeah. all, there, there's all sorts of stuff that I want to do. Um, and at this point, it's kind of like the, the, I look at it, the, uh, I'm happy to give stuff away, but I also want people to buy my books because the, the money's nice and it helps pay for other things that I would have to be paying um, for with my credit card and other stuff. And it makes my wife happy to not see me buying magic cards uh, on the credit card. I buy them with PayPal money. <laughs> She's ha- relatively happy about that. So I don't mind giving stuff away because it's kind of like uh, I want people to kind of understand when I first started doing all this, none of these tools existed. And I had to learn a lot of this stuff the hard way. And now it's so much easier to get your hands on, get your hands on the tools to actually do the testing. And, and, and that's really the biggest win that whereas I had to struggle and figure all this stuff out. Now people don't have to do it themselves. They have people like me to show them some shortcuts so then they can get going. So my value at this point is just high, is basically helping people stay on track and say, okay, look, here's all these things I talked about. Let's make sure we keep. I'm doing these instead of like uh, having to concentrate on how to actually like use mocking frameworks and, and how to get PHP unit installed. Those are almost all solved problems now. So we can get down to the task of just reminding people about what testable code looks like. And, and uh, you know, it's just a question of like, what do I want to do and how much time do I want to devote to doing it? And, you know, do I want to crank out a 200 page book 
Um, given that I, given that I allocate November and December of a given year to write a book, I can't see myself cranking out 200 pages worth of technical material in two months. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Don't worry, Ed. If we do our book, we're looking at like 60 to 80 pages. We can get that done in two months. That's not a big deal. Oh yeah, we can do that. Also, if we use a big font. (laughs) <laughs> we can get it up to like 120 just by uh, double spacing with with comic sans it'll be awesome <laughs> yeah yeah use like really wide character font and stuff like that it'll be good times it's all italic but steve that's awesome <laughs> that's italic. awesome that you've had i mean let, let's let's be perfectly honest here One hundred fifty thousand dollars is awesome it's an awesome amount of money and uh i regret to tell people um there is no secret to doing that. It you just you do your work, and there's so many half baked ideas, and people approach it in so, such the wrong way. They come with an idea, and then try to think if anybody wants it instead of letting everybody tell you what the idea is. That's the biggest change that Amy taught me how to do mm-hmm. how to how to figure out what problems people are really having, and then solve it for them because you will make way more money than just oh I have this idea and I'm going to crank it out there and see if somebody wants it. I never, I never do anything, um, info product related when I don't know somebody is already ready to give me money for it. That was the biggest change that I, biggest thing I learned how to do. So go sign up for, so people are listening, go sign up for Amy Hoy's 30 by 500. It will, um, it will change your life. It's, uh, I know it's not a lie. It will change your life and change forever how you approach solving problems for people. No, I don't get any residuals from people that sign up, but no affiliate, <laughs> no affiliate codes for Amy's program. It's you worth, it's worth your it, beak on that. No, I'm so grateful to Amy for showing me all these things. I'm more than happy to funnel people towards her. Paul Jones, who wrote his, um, you know, modernizing legacy, um, PHP applications, he went through Amy's, um, course as well, as did, um, Brandon Savage. So there's a few of us out there in the PHP community, um, who are using Amy's, um, Amy's secrets to, uh, make some mad cash. Mad cash. Mad cash, that's right. And I'm making US dollars, not uh, Canadian snow pesos. So that's even better. <laughs> it's even better. So I don't know. Anything else we want to talk about? Because we've been, uh, we've been going on for about an hour, almost an hour, I think. Anything else you wanted to talk about, Steve? You want, you want uh, to plug a little bit about Life360 and kind of talk about what, uh, what they do and what you do for them? Uh, yeah, sure. So I'll give you the quick rundown. Uh, if you're a PHP programmer, you're looking for a job, um, you're in San Francisco, uh, Life360 is really cool because a lot of the stuff that I've talked about uh, so far on the podcast, high scale, whatever, uh, that's what we live and breathe. We're the third biggest PHP uh, users, but no one really knows about Life360 because it's not a viral social media, you know, 2014. Third, all that. Biggest, third biggest, really? Yeah, third after or like, second. After like Facebook and Wikipedia? Facebook, I, for, I forget. Yeah, I guess Wikipedia is number two. So we're number three. We do oh. uh, close to a billion API calls per day, which is uh, quite a lot at scale, right? That's that's thousands and thousands of requests per second. Uh, we use a lot of cool technologies. You know, we have massive MySQL clusters, but we also have massive Cassandra clusters. And uh, really, there's a lot of cool niches and a lot, of, a lot of cool problems to work on. And you get to do it hands-on, right? Like if you want to work somewhere where uh, you get to solve these billion requests per day problems, uh, it's, it's a great place to do that. But it's it's not really well-known uh, as like this big, you know, tech company because we're not a viral viral app. It's an app that families use. 
We have 70 million users, right? So it's like, there's a lot of scale there. It's a, it's a really cool place to work. So anyone that's looking for a job doing PHP programming, we go to life360.com and check us out. Well, I'm, I've been submitting talks to ZenCon. So if, uh, much to the chagrin of many people who are into testing, because they will have zero chance now that I'm here. And, uh, uh <laughs> if I'm, if I can, uh, spare some time, uh, to head on up to San Francisco, I might pop by for a little visit and come and see you and see what's going on. Yeah. Are, yeah. You, are you guys hiring remote? Uh, people always want to know that. Yes. So. People yeah, want to know because, because of my experience, because both Ed and I are very committed, uh, remote workers. Yes, yeah, so uh, I've done the remote thing for for a long time too. Um, no, we're only doing local San Francisco, unfortunately, right now. Burr, doing, a, doing a massive. We're trying to hire a, a lot of programmers in the next uh, little bit. So mostly trying to build that local team. Fair well, enough. Just Fair enough. Well, whatever. Their <laughs> loss. I know it sucks. Like I said, I've done the remote thing before, and it's it's quite awesome if you can uh, get that. That company buy-in. So if there's nothing else, I guess you kind of explain what I did. Yeah, a billion API calls a day, people. That is a non-trivial amount of traffic. So kudos to Steve and the team there for um, creating a system that doesn't um, fall over like a drunken Scotsman at a wedding. So <laughs> so uh, on that lovely visual end, uh, a quick reminder, uh, if you're coming to PHP Tech <coughs> 2014 in in the Chicago, Illinois area. I will be there. Ed will be there. Come up and see us. You know, Ed, one of these days we have to try to get like dev hell stickers and shit like that. And we can give them away at conferences that we go to. Oh yeah. That would have been a good idea to think of yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. We got to, uh, we got to do some more uh, monetizing of the brand, dude. We have to do the dev hell. Yep. We have to do the dev hell uh, tell all book as well down the road. Once we do that mm. hack and HHVM one. So uh, with with that, with monetization on the mind, this has been episode number 45 of the Development Hell Podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank our awesome sponsors, Engine Yard, Trailblazers, and Purveyors of um, Platform as a Service. Um, if you're into uh, Ruby, JavaScript, and PHP, and you want to run your stuff in nicely scalable sandboxes, um, I can't recommend enough checking out Engine Yard. They are our longest-running sponsor, and thank you so much for all that you've done with us um, over all these episodes. And also, let's thank New Relic um, and Noel, who's our awesome community relationship management person, um, who we will be seeing at uh, PHP Tech and try to convince her to give us some more money. Uh, so yes. New Relic is a software analytics company that makes sense of billions of metrics across millions of web and mobile apps. We help the people who build modern software understand their, the stories their data is trying to tell them. New Relic supports PHP, Python, Ruby, Java, .NET, Node, iOS, Android apps, and AppleScript. <laughs> oh, it's good. Oh, I slipped that one right yeah, in there. Yeah, I slipped that one right in there. <laughs> did you see that I found some stuff? I did. It's Apple in the show notes. That's, CGI. Yes, that's yeah, awesome. I can't wait to share that with other people when they hear the podcast. Yeah. Um, and as always, thank you to Paul and Will at the, at the Wonder Networks for providing the bandwidth so people in IRC could hear us um, streaming. Uh, so, Steve, thanks so much for coming on. Um, this was good. It's good to get a little glimpse into uh, kind of uh, scaling uh, from like a really high meta level. Um, if you do any kind of work with PHP, if you're of a dev opsy type and want to kind of know more about what actually goes into like 
really, really honestly scaling PHP beyond doing a search and replace for um, single quotes into double quotes and stupid shit like that. Um, check out Steve's book. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, so, um, so I guess we're at the end here. Uh, this is, uh, oh yeah. So also you can, as always, um, you can find uh, every single episode we've ever done archives and show notes up at uh, devhell.info. Um, you can also find us via um, iTunes. If you listen to us on iTunes, please, please, please rate the podcast. It helps us uh, get feedback uh, if we're continuing to do the awesome job that we both know that we're doing. Um, you can find us on Twitter at dev underscore hell. You can find me on Twitter, Grumpy Programmer, without the U. You can find Ed as Funkatron with the U. Thanks so much um, for everyone joining us on IRC. And uh, that's it. Talk to you guys soon. And we'll, oh yeah, as a little hint, we'll be doing a live version of the podcast at at PHP Tech. So we look forward to seeing a bunch of people there. Um, so good night, everybody. Good night, Internet. Good night, guys. Thanks for having us.